Welcome to Interviews. My name is Laurent Autain and I am on a quest to crack the entrepreneurship code. I created this podcast to give a voice to passionate small and medium entrepreneurs around the world. I hope that the stories, practical tips and advice my guests share will inspire you to better navigate your own entrepreneurship journey. Hi, thank you for joining Interviews. Today, I am with Oliver Weiss, CEO and co-founder of Mekasa, based in Germany. Hey, Oliver, thank you very much for joining me. Hi, Laurent. Hi, everyone. All right. So you are kind of a young entrepreneur. If I'm not mistaken, you graduated in 2015. Then you launched your company like in May 2016, like a little bit after. So tell us a little bit about your journey so far. Sure. Yeah, I, I graduated um, with a master's in finance and uh, spent some time in the financial world in, in banking uh, on the investment side and uh, realized how exciting that world is. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, realized how special that world is and that it mm. might not be the best fit for me. Um, so that was the point in time where I uh, actually for the first time in my life considered uh, launching my own company. It was never an, an idea before. Um, yeah, so I had this friend from back in high school uh, mm. named Simon. Uh, we, we did our A-level together. And um, yeah, we discussed the possibility of, of founding our own company. And um, for, for us, it was very important to do something uh, that we can not only earn money with, but at the same time, uh, do something good like right. help people in some kind some kind of area so we were looking at child care and then we were looking at senior care and that's the the second option that we finally went for okay but it's it's fascinating because you went into banking and then what six months after you're like okay let's scrap it let's let's build my company and but what really, what were the, what were the triggers? When, when, did you, when did you know you would be a, an entrepreneur? Uh, first, I knew that I didn't want to be a banker. That <laughs> was the, was the first start. Step. Um, so I generally liked the job. It was fun. Uh, it was super intense. Uh, but I felt there was something missing. I was not really helping people or to put it differently, I was only helping the rich uh, getting richer. Right. <laughs> like reallocating money. And that's not the cause I wanted to support. Okay. Um, so first step, not a banker. Uh, second step, entrepreneur. Um, yeah, it, it was kind of a hard thing. I, I applied for a few other jobs, um, partly in like financially re related stuff, also other positions. And at the same time, I started talking to, to my friend, Simon. Um, we had another friend, Adam, who, who also went to school with us and who was uh, born in, in Poland. So not in Germany as I am. Uh, and he went back to, to Poland. And at this point we, we got into talks and we realized that he has a pretty solid network Mm. over there in, in Warsaw and also other places in Poland. And that's actually the point where we started thinking, like, isn't that a possibility? You know, like they're smart young people, interconnected, uh, 
us here in Germany, him over there in Poland, and like, couldn't there be like some kind of uh, business opportunity funded in that? Right. And that's when we realized um, that there is a, a great opportunity um, that we're working on right now. Okay. So, so for you, it's really about that sense of purpose that you found, is it? Definitely. I've been talking a lot about uh, the why. It starts with why. I'm a fan of Simon Sinek. Have you found your why already? Because sometimes it takes so long to find it. Uh, with me, Casa, I actually have. Yeah. Wow. It, it feels goddamn right what I'm doing right now. Tell me, tell me more. What, what does it mean to feel, to feel right? So I guess there, there are some components that are rather straightforward. So, uh, I mean, you want to have a job, right? Um, it should be fun. Mm. It should challenge you. Um, it should pay in a way that you can live your life. Um, although that might be hard in the beginning <laughs> in entrepreneurial life. Mm. Uh, and I'm still on my way of getting there. Uh, but so what I really love about what I do is a, that I'm being challenged every day, every single day, there's something new that I haven't heard about before and that I need to move forward with. Um, and the second thing is I'm, I'm actually helping people solving real issues out there. Um, very basic human needs. Um, and it's fair to earn money with it if you do it properly in a, client-oriented way. This, this, this combination um, is just fantastic. And that's what I, what I love about my job at Mikasa. Nice. So tell us a little bit more about your business so we understand. Uh, so in Germany, we have a rapidly growing elderly population, similar to many other countries in, in, in Central Europe, uh, also North America and elsewhere in the world. Um, and with Pretty common in Germany is to have a live-in caregiver who comes from another country, mm. typically from another EU country towards the east. So could be Poland, Bulgaria, Romania. Um, it's, it's a pretty standard thing here, here in Germany. Uh, many times, however, it's uh, done or conducted in an illegal way. So cash on hand, black market activities. And we've, we've found a way of doing it officially, having uh, caregivers being employed, uh, socially insured, uh, all, all covered. And that's the basic thing we offer. We offer caregivers for live-in care uh, in Germany and potentially also in, in other countries in the near future. And what differentiates us uh, compared with, with other service providers that offer the same thing mm. is that we're building up an online platform. So we want to create a digital place where families in need of care, it's usually the children of the seniors who, who are looking for care. So where these people can meet qualified and checked upon caregivers. Ideally, um, these two sides are being matched. And by matched, um, I'm referring to some kind of matching algorithm. So it's not only important that the caregiver is well suited for the caregiving situation in terms of qualification. That, that is important, but it's mm. not the only thing. There, there's another level, and that's something that really differentiates us. 
uh, also on an interpersonal level because we need to ensure that seniors and caregivers get along well with each other. Right. In our previous experience, that has been an issue. Uh, if they don't get along well, there is conflict and there's usually an early termination of the caregiving relationship because they are just not happy. They cannot communicate properly. And if they live together in, in a live in care environment, it's just not good. So that's why we came up with a solution, um, a psychological matching approach that we developed with a professor uh, from the University of Heidelberg here in Germany. And it's basically a system that aligns the personalities of the caregiver and the senior to be taken care of. Ah, oh, that sounds that sounds technical. <laughs> it is technical. It also has its psychological level. Mm. Um, it, it touches upon many, many uh, areas, so to speak. Are you the first company uh, in Germany or maybe in the world to do that? As far as I know, as far as I know, we're, uh, we're the first one to set up such a matching platform based on, on psychological character traits. How did you get, how did you get that idea from? Uh, actually, from, from our experience, in the beginning, we didn't do that. And we had many relationships that just went bust uh, because people wouldn't get along with each other. And that's when we had to think about solutions to that problem. And that's what we came up with. All right. And then you turn into this entrepreneurship idea. Fascinating. Ideas yeah. come from absolutely everywhere. <laughs> that's what I like talking yeah, with entrepreneurs. Yeah, I think if you dig into a problem, whatever it is, uh, and you're a little creative, you will come up with some great solutions. Yeah, ex exactly. So there's something else that is uh, a bit, I would say, unique to, to your startup. When we, when we, when we talked uh, first, uh, before we record this interview, you told me that you bootstrapped your business with public funding. Now, healthcare is I believe a sector with a high potential, especially if your product also has high potential. So why you didn't go after VCs or angel investors? That's a very good question. Um, it has been a discussion with my co-founders. So we're a team of four, four guys. Um, we've been debating that topic a lot. And mm. some of us uh, have had previous experience with VCs uh, and similar uh, kinds of funding and we came to the conclusion that VC money is not the right thing for us because it puts a lot of pressure on uh, generating returns from from pretty early on uh, right returns either in terms of the company actually generating a return uh, at the end of the year or in terms of the investor earning a return from raising another round. Um, mm. So it's, it's, you know, you're, you're constantly under pressure. They're expecting you to, to raise the next round, six, 12 or 18 months down the road. And we felt like that what we do with this caregiving, um, we shouldn't be under pressure in the beginning mm. because we really need to get that right. Uh, it's, it's different. I think if you have a SaaS product that you just, um, you know, uh, sell online, 
um, that's a completely different story. But what we do, uh, it's so much uh, relied on, on, on people and how they interact with each other. Uh, and many of our clients we get through our reputation. Um, so we felt we, we first need to do, develop that very properly in a solid way. We really need to know what we do and how we do it. And uh, that shouldn't be interfered by uh, external pressure um, from a VC or similar uh, kind of investor. So what you're saying is build the foundations first. Yeah, yeah. We're not ruling out uh, raising money at some point, um, especially from, from a well-suited investor. Uh, so it's not a general no, but uh, I, I would recommend being a little more careful. These times it's, it's very, uh, very common to, to raise money right away and mm. um, you know, give away shares of your company. If you have a little time um, and if you find some other means of, of financing, like public funding or price award money, um, I would definitely recommend going for that in the beginning. You can, you can easily raise a few hundred K um, without giving up any percentage of your company. So you guys went with uh, public fund fundings, right? In the beginning, it was a lot of award and price money. So right. that was a good thing, you know, uh, digital health and caregiving that is fairly sexy. So there's a lot of mm. awards and prices out there that we applied for where we pitched. Um, that, that's how we raised the first few uh, euros, so to speak. And later on, we, we went for, for bigger checks, uh, mostly by the European Union. Looking at your still young experience as an entrepreneur, four years, look, four years back, what have you learned? What are some of the key lessons that you've learned along the way? Key lessons. I guess there are so many. <laughs> um, one important one is, uh, it's actually quite interesting. I, I would say, is, uh, I would refer to it as follow the numbers, but do not disregard your gut feeling okay so we from a from a very early uh, point on in time we, we started collecting data so using google data studio we, we basically build a hub where all the important figures uh go into and where we could draw conclusions from for for our management decisions and that's actually something very very helpful and i think not everyone or like it's not it's not logical to do it in the beginning because in the beginning you know you want to play around you try this and that um but as, as soon as you realize that something is working i i highly recommend um starting to to collect data to mm. to look at the numbers but at the same time uh i mean numbers can tell you a lot but you should never disregard your gut feeling suppose you you have a reliable uh, God, I guess it's not, not everyone is, uh, does have that um, because, you know, the, the numbers can, can tell one story, but um, for your field, you might still uh, take a different decision um, for whatever reason, especially in a, in a context like ours in, in caregiving. Any, any other key lessons that you can share? Uh, you got to trust people. Aha, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs>
you you really got to trust uh, your your teammates, um, which isn't always easy because they have different backgrounds. Uh, you everyone is working on things they've never worked on before, and mm. they need to figure out a way to to accomplish them in an excellent way. And that can only happen with trust, I guess, because you cannot hire experts uh, right away. You know, you, you got the task, you, you can assign it to someone, um, and then you, you really need to trust them that they, they will figure out a solid way of handling them. Yeah, so that's, I guess that puts extra pressure on you as the CEO, right? Because you want to make sure that you're going in the right direction. And sometimes I believe you would like to do this, this, the, the things your own way, but you need to remind yourself that you have to trust people and let, and let them do. Definitely, yes. And sometimes it's, it's also the other way around. You know, sometimes I'm doing something that, it's, that is more located in the marketing or design creative uh, domain, uh, which is not my field. And I still need to do it because I need to hand in something quite quick. Mm. And I cannot run it by by our marketing design guy Jan. Um, so it, it's it's mutual trust, I would say. And how do you how do you create that um, environment of trust? Good thing is we're all friends. Uh, we've so three out of the four of us we've known each other before. Mm. Um, Sam and I, we were really close friends since, since a long time. Um, so it, it was fairly easy for us, I guess, this trust component. Um, I guess if you don't have that from the beginning, uh, you establish trust through, in the beginning, uh, you know, handing over smaller tasks, um, seeing how people cope with them. Mm. And if you do well, you, you let them know. Uh, if you see room for improvement, you tell them, but you still uh, uh, tell them that you're happy with their attempts. Uh, and that way you, you slowly build it up. That's, it's interesting. You need to give it a chance. Right. But so you were a group of, of four people. And that is something I've not discussed with uh, co-founders yet. So I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask you, why did they make you CEO? Why not someone else? How did you, how did you decide that you would be the CEO? Uh, the answer is it naturally happened. Right. <laughs> it, was not a, it was not a decision we officially made. It just happened that way. Okay. So what are you good at? Uh, generally coordinating uh, things, uh, seeing the big, bigger picture. Um, also doing all the admin stuff. Uh, so I'm responsible for financing, for tax, uh, for strategy, for all the back-end stuff. Uh, not in the IT way, but in a, in a business way, the back-end stuff. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm also quite a networker, I would say. Um, and I have, I've led teams before in, in different kinds of contexts. So, yeah, for, for me, it was a natural step. And um, the, the rest of the team is also quite happy with it. Moving forward with your business, what are the key challenges ahead of you? 
so one very big challenge is to develop this online platform in a way that it meaningfully supports the offline world of caregiving. Right. Um, so that, that's a bit of an abstract answer now. Uh, so we're building this online place where both sides will get to know each other and uh, where they can also, you know, ask questions, um, do different things that are required. For example, we get requesting a change of caregiver um, or the caregiver is submitting some information. Um, so there's a, a lot of processing going on there. Uh, but the, the actual service is offline, the, the caregiving. So mm. I think it's quite a challenge to, to build an online tool that is really meaningful uh, for the real world out there. That's, that's definitely one, one big challenge. Okay. Second one uh, is generating enough traffic, uh, so web, website platform traffic in terms of caregivers. Mm. We, we're already now managing pretty well uh, generating the traffic in, in terms of clients or families in, in, in Germany and other countries. But the caregiver side, uh, which, you know, it's a platform, you need both sides. And yes. these two sides, they need to need to grow uh, in steps. Um, if, if one overshoots, the other one's going to be uh, unsatisfied. So, uh, yeah, we, we need to do that carefully in careful steps. That's definitely another challenge. And what do you want to take your business to? What's, what's the big dream? Big dream is uh, an online place, a platform uh, that matches seniors with caregivers all across Europe. So whenever you need support for, for your parents, for your grandparents, you sign up on Mikasa. Mm. And within a few hours, uh, you got a caregiver um, either on an hourly basis or as a living caregiver assigned to you. Mm. How long do you think it's going to take you to get there? Five years, maybe seven. Depends on, on how fast we move ahead. On, also on the question you, you raised before uh, regarding financing. Mm. Uh, at, at some point, it could quite well make sense to, uh, to raise money in order to speed up the process. But it's interesting because you didn't mention money as one of the challenges right now. So you really focused on the technical aspect and uh, yeah. and the delivery of the service, I guess, and how you and how you can uh, evaluate the service because you want you want to make sure that you deliver it with a, a great quality, I believe. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, my, money is not a. If we wanted to raise money, we could. We, we've had offers on the table quite solid offers, but it, it didn't make sense for us in, uh, in that way that I described before. Mm. Um, I mean, we, we still need to see how we get the funding that we need in order to develop the product to, to increase the team and stuff. Uh, but we do have revenues, so there is some, some own money, so to speak. Uh, and then we, we got all these uh, public funding schemes, uh, word money, word price money, that kind of stuff. So there is a way to, to do it differently. How big of a company would you have to, would you have, to have in five years? Because if I understand now you, you are a team of four, like in five or seven years when you have this big company, well, when you achieve your dream, how big a company it is? Um, so right now we're actually seven. 
Oh, so uh, there are already some employees, uh, but I didn't tell that before. Um, so that's on me. Uh, in, in five to seven years, uh, I think we should be around 200 people. Okay, so we're, 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 to we're talking like a big increase in number of staff within the next five years, if everything is going to be fine. Yeah, it, it would be massive. It, it has to be. Uh, the, the reason behind this is, uh, so these 150, 200 people, they wouldn't all be uh, IT guys, developers and stuff, but a lot of them would be client advisors. The, so despite building this online platform, um, we've realized that since this caregiving takes place offline, we, we also need uh, personal contact. So that means people who can get on the phone with clients, with caregivers, solve issues, mm. um, help if help is needed. Uh, and that is the reason why I believe that uh, the team needs to grow in, in such an intense way. Are you prepared for that? Are you already, are you already planning for such a growth? I guess we're starting. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure if you can actually plan that like perfectly. Mm. Um, I'm sure there's people who've done it before and they, was, um, they probably have a checklist and they would tell me what to do. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I don't have that checklist right now. Um, so we're taking it step by step, uh, anticipating, yeah, I would say the next two to three steps ahead ahead of us um, but it's we we need to we need to take it as it comes yeah we, we have to see how everything develops you know how which projects come up uh, where where the money comes from that kind of stuff so there they, they are certain uncertainties in there <laughs> well that's a life of an entrepreneur i guess that's a lot of uncertainties all along <laughs> <laughs> So what you're saying is one step after the after the other, uh, but first first really my understanding is that you really want to focus on the product first, before yep. before everything else. We are absolutely convinced that we need to get that right. If we don't get that right, it will be a mess. If you look back again at your experience over the past four years setting up this company, is there anything that you would do differently? We took it fairly slowly in the beginning. Mm. Uh, I think we could have moved faster back then. So in the early days, we, we tried it out. Um, we gave us a lot of time. And now in, in retrospect, I would say a, a bit too much time. I, I think we, we, by now we could be uh, a, a little further than we are right now. If, if, you, if you know you're doing the right thing, just mm. go for it just go push it, go all in. Um, we, we were a little hesitant with that in the beginning. Now it's, it's, it's all good. <laughs> now we're, we're, we're hitting that road to full steam ahead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anything else? Um, what I would do differently. Uh, what made quite a big difference for us is uh, moving into our own office might sound a little strange now in these COVID yes. times where everyone works from home. Hmm. But uh, from our experience, that, that did a big change to, to the way we thought about the company. It, it suddenly gave us a, a more a clearer vision, uh, a 
clear idea of what is Mikasa just by sitting together in, in one or two rooms. Mm. Um, in the beginning, everyone work, was working from home or from, their, from some other uh, office space, but we were located in different places. So, um, I mean, we, we had the company, there was a name, there was a website and stuff, uh, but the feeling was different. So it wasn't concrete enough, so I, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that is not true for everyone. Mm. I think there are people who can completely identify themselves with a business company cause or whatever uh, without being located there. Uh, but other people like me, they, they kind of need this, uh, you know, closeness to, to some place, to, to the rest of the team. I understand. It makes sense. And what is the uh, one recommendation you would give to other entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs out there? If you have something in, in mind, some, some kind of idea, uh, think of a way to try it out. Um, so, you know, you might have an idea for an online platform for whatever, uh, finding uh, pets, uh, whatever it exactly is. Uh, try, try to build an, you know, the, the smart startup code would say you built an MVP. Um, but basically, to just find a case, you know, find some friends, uh, friends of friends, and and try try out your idea in a very basic way. And if that works well, uh, think about how you can actually build a business around that. Is this does it does it solve a, a real problem people have? And if so, how how can you earn money with that? It's a great question. <laughs> That's often where a lot of people a lot of people forget about that. Is there is there a market means does it solve real problem? Yeah, I guess there is certain products or solutions that people didn't know solved the challenge that is there. So, you know, the iPhone, yeah, if you had asked someone before, they're probably barely people would have told you they, they needed an iPhone or a smartphone. Um, so they, they actually created something completely new mm. and created a new market. But with many products and solutions, uh, it's it's a little different. So you, I would generally advise to to check if it actually solves a problem people out there are having. Do you have any books you would recommend? To to be honest, uh, I'm not reading a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, not because I don't like it. I've I've been reading a lot in the past before I founded Mikasa, but with Mikasa it. Uh, I barely have any time or I barely take the time to, to read. Um, one book that I, that I really enjoyed reading and that I've actually read twice uh, is Fooled by Randomness by Nicholas Teller. Mm -hmm. uh, that guy, he, he basically describes uh, how randomness in, in life influences all kinds of uh, decisions. So like decisions that people take, but also things that happen in stock markets um, or generally in the, in the world events, the pandemic, um, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff is, is actually can be planned and follows a, a defined path, but there are also so many things that actually happen randomly. Mm. Uh, and uh, the humankind always tries to explain. We always, we always try to find explanations, you know, so a, a stock shoots up, um, and then 
the Financial Times reports uh, the stock has been rising because the company launched a new product, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, sometimes that's true, but in the end, uh, demand for the stock was higher uh, than, than supply. So the price went up and that could also be for a completely different reason. We, we simply don't know. Hmm. And in that kind of manner, he describes many situations, also in private life, um, describes many situations and that I found very, very interesting. So I, I can highly recommend that book. Okay, it's on my list. <laughs> How can people contact you? Uh, on LinkedIn, Oliver Weiss. Uh, also on uh, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I guess that are the most important channels. Or you can just uh, shoot me an email through our website, mikasa.de. Excellent. Well, thank you, Oliver, and I wish you all the best with your business. Thank you very much, Laurent. Same to you with your podcast. Great <laughs> thing. It's, it's actually a great thing you're doing there. Thank you. Thank I, you. I really like that idea. Great. I hope, I hope there are more people like you who like the idea. <laughs> and thank you all for sure. listening. If you have any questions for my guests or for myself, or if you'd like to be a guest yourself, send an email to contact at laurentin.com or reach out on LinkedIn. See you next time. Bye-bye.